Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we have one guest with us today. Our guest is Roger Thompson, who's the vice provost of enrollment management at Indiana University. He oversees the offices of admissions, student financial assistance, the registrar, and Bloomington campus orientation programs. If you have questions or comments today, please call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Mary Catherine. Hi, Bob. Hey. Roger, welcome to Bloomington. Thank you very much. Been here now since July. Right. That's good. Getting your your uh, your feet on your sea legs, I guess. Right. Well, no, it's been wonderful. <laughs> Great good. transition. All right. Good. Well, let's let's uh, jump right in about enrollment management. You know, I read through what your office does and what it oversees, but I'd like for for you to offer your own definition. What is enrollment management? Right. Well, enrollment management um, is really kind of a new and emerging organizational structure in higher education. It's probably developed in the last. Uh, oh, maybe 10 years. And really the goal of enrollment management is to recruit, retain, and graduate uh, students. Uh, you know, our job is really to break down the traditional silos. Uh, so much of what we do in higher education can become siloed. Uh, the registrar's office does one thing, admissions does another thing, and none of us are working uh, together in maybe the ways that we could uh, to benefit students. And so I think the goal of enrollment management and, and good enrollment management organizations, which is what we will build here, uh, is to make sure that our recruitment, retention, graduation, all of those processes from the very first time that we meet a student, that they're all in sync until mm-hmm. the student becomes an alum and hopefully a donor and contributor of either time, money, or uh, resources to the institution. Makes a lot of sense. You want to you want to get the students here, keep them here, and then make sure they graduate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty basic when you get yeah, down to it. Right. Uh, uh, but it but it's difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You know, our student population is changing uh, very quickly. You know, right. today's students are, are not like students even ten years ago. And if we go back further than that, uh, the, the differences become even more apparent. So what, what? I think their expectations are different more than the students themselves. I mean, students are students, but they have a whole different set of expectations coming here. Uh, Absolutely. I always tell our team, when you think of today's students, most of them have never been in a bank. They, they do their banking through an ATM. Uh, they buy and sell uh, things regularly on the internet. I mean, I'm, I'll be the first to admit, I go there and find out the flight schedules and then I call the 800 number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's not what students do. And right. so when we, when we survey and talk to students, uh, we find overwhelming majorities, high 80% range, are on the internet, uh, they're talking to their friends, they're involved in Facebook, they're doing all sorts of things that uh, have really changed the marketplace. And don't you think they have different expectations for goods and services when they get here as well? A- absolutely. Um, when, when your orientation to the life and society around you is an ATM machine, uh, put something in, quick response back, uh, waiting for a day, a week, several weeks, uh, is not the orientation that these students bring to the table. And so we need to, to move our services uh, to better match what our customers' expectations are. Well, let's sort of go through this, this list of three. Let's start with recruitment. I mean, what are, the, what are some of the keys to recruiting? And, and, and who are our, or who, what other schools are Indiana University's biggest competition? What's the, what's the pool? Right. Well, the, the keys to recruiting really tie in to what we just talked about. Uh, today's students uh, want to be recruited in a personalized, compartmentalized, targeted way. What does that mean? Uh, and, and what that means is I think students want information about the things that interest them. They want it delivered personally, and they want it delivered quickly. And so when we think about, you know, there used to be a day when you could mail out generic information about a university and say, uh, here's Indiana University in 10 pages. Uh, students today are more interested in their specific areas of interest, uh, which might be academic, might be uh, – out-of-the-classroom activities, uh, religious church-affiliated clubs, organizations, any number of, of, uh, of areas of the institution. And so I think our job in recruitment is to personalize what we say to students, 
Uh, no one wants to be recruited by a large bureaucracy with no heart. Um, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Please, not that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think our job is to to make sure we communicate to students um, all the things that Indiana University has to offer and to deliver that in mediums and in time frames uh, mm-hmm. that make sense to students. If you're going to do that, though, it seems like you've got to have data at your disposal. You, you, the more you know about a student, even prior to that first contact, it seems is, is to your advantage. So what do you do? How do you gather that data? Uh, absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that we're in the process of changing uh, at IU is we want to make sure that our student applicant pool uh, better reflects some of our enrollment goals. And that means we have to be aggressive. Uh, we can't wait to see who comes and knocks on our door. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to go out and make sure that we're speaking very specifically, strategically, and targeted uh, to students that we think would be good contributors to the institution. And so the dynamic has changed greatly. Uh, if you look at student recruitment uh, not that many years ago, you waited for someone to contact you and say, well, I'm interested in Indiana University. Uh, Today, that's not quite how it works, and the, and the message that we need to deliver is very different for millennials, this group of, of high school students, than even the groups 10 years ago. Is this what they're called now instead of Generation X? They're millennials? <laughs> well, uh, that's— Oh, seriously, I don't know that the, term. Is that, that what they're called? That's the hot buzz term oh, in Oh, uh, I'm see, I'm very uh, uncool, so I didn't now. know well, that. Well, that's, so, that's okay. okay. <laughs> so, so in um, you know, sort of in specifics, how, how many people work— in your office who are doing this and and what are the methods of doing it? Is it telephone calling, site visits, email, text messaging, all of the above? All of the above. (laughs) Um, uh, Enrollment management at IU uh, is about 200 little more uh, FTEs. In our admissions operation, uh, that's uh, more like a fourth of that. Uh, But when it comes to recruitment, I think all of the above are, are what we need to be doing. You know, uh, being as visible as we can in high schools, uh, talking to students, parents, counselors, principals, uh, community leaders. All of those folks need to know about what's happening at IU. That's the personal contact. But you mentioned uh, wisely some of the things that students are into today, and that is electronic messaging. Uh, What is our web presence? You know, how can we use technology uh, to talk to students about what's offered at IU. We haven't gone as far as text messaging, though some have. Uh, we have not here. But all of the electronic media that's available is very important. You know, in December, we're going to roll out a banner advertisement on collegeview.com. That's a website that students and parents, and millions of them, incidentally, hit every day. It's where they begin their college search process. And so uh, the more visible we can be, we have tremendous advantages over many of our competitors. People know Indiana University. Um, But that doesn't mean that we should wait to see if they contact us. We need to be active and and, and aggressive in in making sure we uh, get students interested in IU. How how important or how – um, how much impact do all these studies that come out every year that says, you know, Indiana University ranks here and this discipline, here in partying, here in uh, quality of life or whatever, are those uh, – do those, those have much impact? Well, I think uh, in answering your question for students and parents, they do have impact. Uh, I could spend the rest of the show talking about uh, the validity of some of those studies. We won't make you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Your listening audience would decline quickly. Um, But, uh, you know, for students and parents, rankings are important. Uh, At my previous institution, we surveyed 90 percent of the new freshmen who came in. And nearly one-third told us that the U.S. News ranking was very important in their college selection process. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that amazing uh, given that I know how the rankings are derived. uh, It it was almost a little uh, unnerving. So I think students and parents uh, pay a lot of attention to those things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a a broad marketplace out there. And anything that can help give students and parents information, rankings – information that we provide, I think all influences how the uh, college selection process happens. Our guest today is Roger Thompson, Vice Provost of Enrollment Management at Indiana University. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 
877-285-9348, and send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Okay, I, have another, I want to go back to data gathering just a, yes. l- a little bit because I'm, I'm interested in this. Um, is information made available to you regarding um, students' SAT scores? Like, for example, let's say you want to contact the top 20 percent of Indiana uh, students scoring in the stats. I didn't say that right, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so are you given those names of, of the, the individuals who score in the top 20 percent? This is just an example. Right. No, uh, we are. We're given those scores for a price. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the college board that runs the uh, uh, SAT is happy to sell you names and scores <laughs> of uh, students around Indiana or any of the 50 states where they take the uh, the SAT score. And this is one of the new initiatives. Um, uh, you know, I, I haven't been at IU all that long, uh, but one of the first things we're doing is our admissions folks, who are very talented, uh, are looking at how we can increase our bot name strategy. How can we do that better? And that will be kind of a new initiative for us. We have not been highly involved in, um, in purchasing names and trying to identify sophomores and juniors mm-hmm. uh, early in their high school career so that we can communicate with them. We intend to expand that about fivefold mm-hmm. uh, from wow. what's been done in the past. And, and uh, we want to make sure that for Indiana residents, we're the institution of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that does not stop at our borders. Mm-hmm. We also want to be active players in recruiting the very best students, whether they're in Ohio or, or uh, California or Florida. And that leads to my next question nicely, which is, is there a – do you have a goal for a certain percentage of out-of-state students? I know that they pay more and I would imagine that that has a very positive impact on the uh, bottom line for the university. So I would imagine there is a goal, yes? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the financial picture of our freshman class um, is designed to maximize revenue mm-hmm. uh, in one sense for our out-of-state students while providing excellent education to in-state students. And so I think for us, we'd like to see the out-of-state population somewhere between 36 and 38 uh, percent. Those students are going to pay full freight, as we kind of mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the cost is going to be significantly different for those students than for Indiana residents. Right. So is, then are you obligated to enroll a certain percent? Are you obligated to enroll a certain percentage of in-state students? Uh, we're not obligated in a, in a compliance or a mm-hmm. legislative sense. Um, you know, we'd like to see our Indiana residents be 65, 67 percent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'd like to see us uh, become more competitive for some of the very best students in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worry uh, from a state economic standpoint that sometimes our best students don't stay in state. Right. And that can create long-term economic issues for the state. And uh, so I think it's very important that our best and brightest kids uh, come to their flagship institution. Uh, That's where we'd like them to be. But if they don't elect to come here, we certainly want to keep them within the state of Indiana so that we're not losing that, that knowledge base to other states. I know you just came in July, but the numbers that were announced for the freshman class this year told a very, very good story about recruitment at IU. And um, so if, if you could sort of review for us, you know, what the size of the class, the, uh, the, the SAT score improvement, um, that would be good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, all of the news and enrollment was outstanding. Uh, I'd, I'd love to tell you I did something to impact that, but uh, I'm not sure that's accurate. Actually, I'm very sure that is accurate. Um, but this year, we had the largest freshman class in the history of Indiana University, uh, well over 7,200 students. And that's a real tribute to the fantastic work of our team members in admissions, our team members throughout enrollment management, and our university community, faculty and staff that, that work in the recruitment process and have helped uh, uh, create uh, the environment at IU where we can attract students that way. As impressive as it is to have the largest freshman class, we also had the most academically talented freshman class. Uh, our SAT score rose to 1121. That was up 10 points. And to put that in context, nationally, SAT scores fell mm-hmm. seven points. Uh, in the state of Indiana, they, they fell as well. So I think that uh, together makes a very good story as to how well we did in terms of uh, not just quantity but quality 
Uh, our valedictorians increased uh, from 87 to 123. Uh, national merit scholars were 63 compared to 48. Um, across the board, uh, it was very, very good news. Mm-hmm. Having said all that, it's important to note that this will probably be the largest freshman class ever at Indiana University because we're about to become uh, a little tighter on admissions requirements. Oh. And so uh, that 7,200 was a little over the goal mm-hmm. uh, and it caused some uh, some stress on campus. You know, I, I think uh, your paper reported oh, yes. that fairly <laughs> accurately. Is housing uh, issues especially, is that what you're referring sure. to? Uh-huh, yeah. Housing, parking, yeah, you get the whole gamut when the class mm-hmm. comes in a little bit bigger than uh, than we'd anticipated. So what, what's, that, what's that make total enrollment on the Bloomington campus? Um, well, that's uh, you know right at high thirty eight, thirty nine thousand. I don't have that, but that's right a, that's about as large as it's ever been too. That's correct. correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, to what do you attribute this uh, influx of freshmen with with you know, smarter freshmen? Well, um, I think there's several factors that that happen that uh, that really kind of came together to create an extra large class. Uh, first, uh, we did very well with high achieving students. More of them came than in the past. Obviously, that moved the test score up. Uh, We also saw more students from out of state. Uh, Our out of state number got as high as 39 percent this year. And so we saw tremendous uh, interest in IU from the Chicago area, uh, Ohio, New York, New Jersey, uh, California, a number of areas across the country where we saw uh, enrollment growth. We did very well on international students. Um, that was a population that uh, also set records this year. And, and that was nice to see given that just five or six years ago, we had a, really an economic crisis in the, in the uh, Pacific uh, region, uh, Asia. And, uh, and then, of course, post 9-11, right. uh, our country made it more difficult for international students to, uh, to come to the U.S. to study. So uh, we kind of bucked a trend there with, with international students going up. So you put all those together and uh, it turned out to be a, a large class. Mm-hmm. All right. Our phone numbers again, 855-0811-877-285-9348. And noon at indiana.edu is the email address. Our guest is Roger Thompson. Vice Provost of Enrollment Management at Indiana University. We always – people who live and have lived in this area for a long time always kind of look at Purdue University as as a competitor even though they focus on on many different areas that we don't. But how how does that work for you? Do you view them as a competitor and and if so, um, how do you work, work with that? Uh, absolutely. I, I view them as a competitor. <laughs> oh, heck yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a very competitive fella. And so, uh, you know, the places where we lose students, uh, we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to measure ourselves uh, to be the very best that we can be. So we're not going to alter our recruitment strategy based on something that one of our competitors does. Uh, we have a lot to offer at Indiana University. We need to tell our story effectively. But we have to acknowledge we've got competitors in Purdue, mm-hmm. uh, Miami of Ohio, uh, Ohio State. I mean, there's there's right. so many great schools around the Midwest that uh, all of those are competing for uh, with us mm-hmm. for the very best students. And, and so they've got to be looking at the same strategies you are, uh, because they, I'm sure that they're looking at the same goals as far as raising their their uh, GPA and and those kinds of things. So it must be a very competitive industry. A- and, I, absolutely. and I think it is kind of an industry, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I once uh, made a joke at a national conference that uh, uh, the only person who could stand on uh, on uh, sand any more than a football coach was the enrollment person. <laughs> um, I, I hope that's not quite true, uh, but but it is. It's very competitive, and um, and we need to recognize that we're in a competitive marketplace. And, uh, and I want to beat all of our competitors. Uh, I want to outwork them, outthink them, outsmart them. And uh, I, I want to make sure that every kid that's the very best and brightest in the state of Indiana or the states that surround us comes to IU. I want them at IU. We won't get everyone, but uh, I want us to be as aggressive as Kelvin Sampson is for the very <laughs> best point guard. Yeah. Uh, that's how I want us to be with the student that has uh, great grades, high test scores, and uh, has a lot to offer to our campus. Now, how, do, how do you see with the? How does it work for IUPUI? Because that's kind of a. Well, I, you know, IUPUI uh, in some senses competes uh, with us for students. Um, 
I believe uh, this, this may get me in a little bit of trouble, but I certainly believe that our academic foundation is significantly stronger. And so I think that uh, as we talk about uh, all that our campus has to offer, I think they're very different places in, in terms of uh, academic strength and the type of experience a student would have at each of those campuses. So you focus strictly on Bloomington. You don't worry about IUK and IU South Bend and the other campuses. No, they, they have enrollment folks uh, in those areas that are worrying about them. I think uh, we work in partnership with them in this sense. As our standards go up, uh, there will be students who five years ago – could have got into Bloomington, mm-hmm. uh, and they may not today. I think it's important that we do the best job we can to help that student land on their feet at one of the regional IU campuses, Ivy Tech potentially, and then to work with them on a transfer if that's something they're interested in doing after they complete a year or two at one of the other schools. Okay, we have our first call of the day. So, Tim, go ahead. Um, I would like uh, to hear our guest speak a little to the uh, issue of how we uh, uh, compete in our graduate study programs. Uh, a lot of the information you've given today is really very good, uh, but uh, I'd like to know how competitive we are in, the, in a variety of graduate programs across campus. All right, Tim. Thanks for the call. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Uh, we, we have been focused on uh, undergraduate recruitment, and graduate recruitment takes a little different shape. Um, you know, graduate students pick their graduate institutions perhaps from recommendations that professors have given them or good faculty members uh, during their undergraduate career. So it's a little different from a marketing perspective. Uh, our academic programs at Indiana University are second to none at the graduate level. Uh, I mean, for heaven's sakes, let's look at the Kelly School, SPIA, journalism, uh, arts and sciences, the graduate school. I mean, we could go on and on music. and on. Music, yes. How could I, how could I ignore music? Yeah. Uh, I, I love what the folks in music say. Dean Richards is, is one of the best at saying that uh, the Jacobs School of Music is uh, arguably the best music school in the country and he's determined to get rid of the arguably. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, tremendous programs uh, across the entire campus. And so, uh, you know, what we can do from a graduate student perspective is offer students the opportunity to work and study and research with the people that literally have written the books or, mm-hmm. or done the research that leads in the field. And so um, graduate study is a, a, a tremendous opportunity at Indiana. We go about recruiting those students a little bit differently. and We're a little more decentralized in terms of the work that the colleges and departments do. To so what are some of the differences? Well, targeting more narrowly to certain students or – Well, uh, it, it's just a different selection process between mm-hmm. graduate school and undergraduates. I think undergraduates, you can, you can target uh, recruitment material uh, for one at a longer period of time uh, over the course of, of their high school career. Graduate students uh, many times are influenced by fellowships, research mm-hmm. and TA – opportunities and the kind of feedback that they get at their undergraduate institution. Mm -hmm. Um, That having been said, uh, there's plenty that impacts uh, those those graduate students as well. Rankings become very important. Uh, Students that want to go to the top 25 law school or whatever uh, do their research through search engines that identify those things for them. So it's just a little different. What, what percentage of graduate students would come here with with basically no sort of package or aid or anything like that? I mean, do, do virtually all graduate students come here with some expectation of being able to teach in the program, some financial assistance, um, something that's a real incentive for them to come to IU? Right. Uh, we, we've hit an area where I've got to tread lightly because okay. I'm, I'm not that knowledgeable about uh, what percentage of students – uh, come with uh, uh, just a general teaching. You know, general. Well, I would think most come hoping that they'll have that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but what I've seen, a lot, some of that doesn't get assigned until later in the yeah. year. Yeah, okay. I, I'm just not well versed in, okay. in what those percentages would be. Fair enough. Well, we've sort of hit halftime here. So, uh, again, our guest is Roger Thompson, Vice Provost of Enrollment Management at Indiana University. If you have questions or comments, please phone 855-0811 or Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, Classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU's listener reception takes place this evening from 7 to 9 in the atrium of the IU Art Museum. It's a chance to mingle with fellow listeners and meet the cast and crew of WFIU en route to your evening activities. Light refreshments provided by Terry's Banquets and Catering and Oliver Winery, Music provided by an ensemble from the Musical Arts Youth Orchestra. WFIU's listener reception takes place tonight, 7 to 9, in the atrium of the IU Art Museum. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael and our guest today, Roger Thompson, Vice Provost of Enrollment Management at Indiana University. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Let's move on to retention for a minute because that's, you know, part two of your, your mission. Um, what kind of uh, new programs do you have? What are your strategies for trying to, once you get these students here, making sure that you retain them here? Right. Uh, when it comes to retention, Indiana University is a, a national leader. Uh, we have tremendous retention programs. Uh, university division uh, here on campus uh, does an outstanding job of, of helping new freshmen integrate into the campus. And, uh, and the rest of our colleges have excellent programs as well. One of the key measures is the, the freshman to sophomore retention rate. And uh, here at IU, that's uh, just above 88 percent. Nearly ninety percent. So you're not still giving that speech when, when at orientation, look to your left, look to your yeah. right. One of you is going to be gone. One of you will be gone this time next year. You're not giving that speech anymore. We're not giving it. Okay. And, All and, right. and I'm not sure the millennials would like it if <laughs> we did. Well, uh, I didn't like it, and I'm a far cry from a millennial. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, times have changed. Yeah, and, it was a little sc- creepy. Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, re- retention is uh, an area where we do outstanding uh, work already. Uh, some of the ways that we can get better uh, is to make sure that um, uh, we break down some of the silos. It's important that uh, uh, we serve students well mm-hmm. in all aspects of how they interact with universities. I always like to tell folks that uh, when a student goes home at Thanksgiving, if some area of the university has has not served them well, uh, they don't go back to their hometown and say, well, you know, it was the well, – I was going to pick one of my organizations. <laughs> I guess that wouldn't be very yeah. fair. But they, they wouldn't pick an organization. They'd simply go back and say, Indiana University uh, didn't treat me very well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's very important uh, from a retention standpoint that we make sure that we uh, take care of our students in every aspect of their life here in Bloomington. And uh, we do a very good job in retention uh, currently, but there's so still. So, what kind things of things we, do you do? That's I'm curious. Well, you know, I think uh, much of it comes down to how we use data. Uh, you know, there's uh, we have midterm grades. Is that a, is that a good predictor for retention? Probably is. Uh, I haven't looked at the studies to know. Uh, I'm new and have been working on the recruitment end a little more than the retention end. So if you've got Uh, somebody who's on academic probation, uh, maybe after first semester, do you have a program in place then to to really make an effort to help that student so they can succeed second semester and want to come back? Yeah, absolutely. And those are the types of of measurements throughout a student's career that we need to look at and examine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what are the early indicators that tell us uh, maybe the transition's not going very well? Mm -hmm. I always tell students and parents that when a student goes from high school to college, it's the second biggest transition in their life. That usually leads the parent to say, what's the first? And I say childbirth. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, (laughs) that that may have been the biggest transition. But, uh, you know, it's very important that we look at all the data points where 
we can measure and see if we have folks that are in trouble. You know, we do so many good programs. I had dinner the other night with uh, uh, the Global Village folks in the in the residence hall. And here's a group of students that are concerned about issues around the world. They're terrific kids. And, uh, and they're a strong support network for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are the ways that we can tie into programs like that or, or make sure that we're monitoring what students are doing in our halls or classrooms or academically? Because any number of those uh, areas, if they begin to go awry, can impact retention. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I would think those informal, informal networks would be very important. Absolutely. We have yeah. two callers, so let's go to the phones. Okay. We have Bill first. Bill? I was uh, wondering what IU does to compete with the small colleges in terms of class size and the association of students with their teachers and with each other. Mm -hmm. Great, great question, Bill. Um, One of the things that uh, I think we do a very good job of uh, at Indiana University is our classes are smaller than most folks imagine. Um, Students who start uh, as freshmen are certainly going to have that uh, image we all picture of the large lecture hall and someone standing at the front and, and 100 people listening. Uh, they will have that experience. But as students go through their, their college career here, our average uh, class size is roughly around 30. Uh, many classes will be much smaller than that. Our student-to-faculty ratio is 18 to 1. So depending on uh, what you're studying, uh, you might have very personalized uh, class instruction. One of the things that I, I always tell folks, when, when you think about a small liberal arts college and a large research university, sometimes parents will say to me, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm really interested in a, in a good liberal arts education. And I always say to them, well, there's no better place for a liberal, liberal arts education uh, than in Bloomington. And that then turns the conversation to, well, I'm really more interested in a smaller college as compared to a large research university. And one of the things that I remind folks is we deliver education segmented. So when you're at a small liberal arts college, there might be one person that teaches Shakespeare. Well, what if you don't get along with him or her? Or maybe the person uh, is the best professor you've ever had, but they retire. Or uh, heaven forbid, well, let's not go there, but (laughs) somehow they leave. Um, uh, You know, at a large research university, you're going to have 10 people uh, that that teach Shakespeare. And so we we deliver education in small, manageable um, sections, if you will. And so uh, I I think the opportunities uh, to interact with faculty and, and, and get to know the teachers and professors that are leading the classes are are really at the student's disposal. They, they may need to be more engaged and more active to get that kind of interaction, but the opportunity is certainly there. Any follow-up, Bill? Uh, no, thank you. Okay, thanks a lot for the call. Before you go to the next call, we, I want to... We, we lost our... Uh, oh, okay. Our I want to ask a question. Um, we talk about um, forming kind of communities within the, the larger university community, and I know when I went to school here, it was a... I think it was mandatory you spent at least your first year in the dorm. Is that still the case? Because I think that that's such a good place to make your first group of friends, and, and that kind of serves as a springboard then for, for other... Uh, circles of influence and friendships that you build on after that. Right. Yeah, that's still required that uh, uh, freshmen live on campus. And uh, I I agree with you. I think it's a great way for students to get to know others. Uh, Even if a student's coming from Indianapolis to Mm -hmm. Bloomington and there's 40 other kids from their high school uh, coming to IU, I I think it's better if the student, uh, you know, sort of takes the potluck approach to find a roommate or where they're going to live. But I can see how from a marketing standpoint that might be an issue for you because it seems that in my um, observation of this that students now have higher expectations for living arrangements and so um, w- might balk at living in a dorm, being forced to live in a dorm if they have the financial financial wherewithal to get an apartment as soon as they get here. Absolutely. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, um, you know, many times students – uh, don't like the idea that they've got to live in a residence hall. Mm-hmm. The parents like it. <laughs> and and uh, parents are highly involved in the college selection process uh, today, more so than they've been perhaps at other points in time. Uh, but it does raise an issue that that universities, uh, even if you require freshmen to live on campus, uh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be looking at how to improve your halls and how mm-hmm. to improve the programs that happen well, in you your halls. To. You have to, absolutely. To be competitive in your Yeah, arena. I mean – 
today's students have, have come out of, uh, uh, you know, having their own bedroom, most with their own computer in their bedroom, their own TV, you know, whatever. And, and so to move them into a, a, a residence hall with cinder block walls, sharing a tiny room with one other person in a bathroom at the end of the hall, that just doesn't fly very well. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so what we see is the, the economic – Like how to shower. Where? <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, <laughs> That's good enough for yeah. me. <laughs> the, the, uh, the economic discrepancy then shows up in the sophomore year, yeah. right? Because right. those with means can move off campus into a place that uh, maybe is a little nicer and others uh, maybe stay on campus. So. Yeah. yeah. Have to well, look let me uh, say that uh, uh, Brad, our other caller, left, so we'll invite him to call back. Phone numbers again, 855-0811-877-285-9348, and our email, noon at indiana.edu. I'm going to go to an email with Mary Catherine in a second, but, yeah. but I want to introduce a, another topic, and that's recruiting um, to increase diversity on campus. I know Indiana University has stated, officials have stated many times, that's a that's a primary goal or a major goal, uh, but it's a lot easier to talk about than it is to do. So what are, what are our, some of our strategies and how successful have, are we being now? Right. Um, it's a great question and, and it's uh, very much a priority of ours to ensure that our campus is diverse. And we can define diversity in lots of different ways. Uh, but I think in this particular instance, we're defining it as uh, ethnically uh, diverse. You know, last year we had uh, – this year, fall of 2006, we had the third highest enrollment of African Americans uh, we've had at Indiana University. Not as good as last year, which was a record year, uh, but a good number. We had more Hispanic students enroll than we've ever had and that's the – largest and quickest growing demographic right. in the state of Indiana right. uh, as well as across the country. So uh, when we look at uh, how we ensure that we're a diverse community, uh, we need to think about our recruiting strategies. Most surveys, focus groups and other things that I've done uh, would indicate that students want to be recruited the same way, uh, the same in terms of a personalized approach uh, as any other student. But I think there's things we can do to be creative. If we're going to be proactive and go out to where the students are, uh, that may involve some different locations uh, depending on which group we're, we're meeting with. Uh, I'm new enough to the state of Indiana. I don't know uh, how effective this would be. But in the state of Alabama, uh, we sent African-American recruiters to churches and community events uh, where colleges traditionally had not appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, coming in the fall of 2007, Indiana University will be prominently displayed in the African-American Student and Parent Guide which is distributed across the country. Millions of people see it. We've never been in that publication before and we need to be. Absolutely. We'll also be in the National Hispanic Guide and we'll, uh, our information there will be in both English and in Spanish. Spanish is very important in that guide for parents, not so much students, uh, for them to begin to understand what, uh, what IU has to offer. So I think the short answer to your question is uh, we can't lose sight of what our goal is and that is to have a diverse university community that may uh, lead us to engage in recruitment strategies that we haven't used in the past. One other thing I might mention, we've done a really good job on African-American enrollment. Uh, Our numbers are very close to the population of the state. And if we were to take flagship – Percentage-wise you're talking about. Percentage-wise, yeah. And if we were to take – all the flagship institutions across the country and see how many come close to enrolling the African-American percentage of their state, um, I would be willing to wager a fair amount of money that we would not find very many uh, that, that, meet, uh, that come up in that category. No betting on the air. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I only said I'd be willing. I know. <laughs> uh, we have a couple phone calls, so we're going to go there before we go to the email. David is first. David, go ahead. Hi, I was uh, joining your program a few minutes late, so I apologize if you've already covered it, but a couple times your guest has mentioned about raising the standards for incoming freshmen or any student wants to come to IU. Could your guest enumerate what a couple of those higher standards might mean for people wanting to apply? That's sure. Good question. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, David, uh, we're in 
uh, the beginning stages of a several-year phase-in of higher admission standards. The Board of Trustees has indicated uh, that new admission standards will go into effect for 2011, uh, which means that uh, new freshmen in high school now will need to complete the core 40. Mm-hmm. Most of our kids, most of our freshmen do that already. That, that just sort of makes that official. Um, but when you look at uh, standards this year, uh, I think it's fair to say that um, students are going to need to have uh, better test scores and better GPAs than uh, than what they did the year before. One of the things that uh, uh, we're in a nice position to be in is that Indiana University is uh, very popular right now. You know, folks kid about these billboards of IU is red hot. Uh, well, let me tell you, it's true. Uh, applications are tracking uh, double digits ahead of where they were last year at this time, and we had a record class last year. So we're in the process of tweaking, um, adjusting is probably a better word, uh, where our admission parameters will be uh, for this upcoming class because we don't want it to be quite as big. So suffice to say, uh, you know, if you're 18 and talented with good grades and, and uh, strong test scores, you're going to get into IU just fine. Come on down. All right, David, thanks for the call. Thank you very much for a good program. Thank thanks. You. Moving on to Mitch. Mitch? Hi. This is Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hi. I wanted to, uh, just in terms of, uh, of IU's history and, and where we're going now, it seems, you know, with Herman B. Wells, we really reached out to the wider world in international context. And with uh, Provost McRobbie, we seem to be going the same direction. At the same time, there's been, you know, a tightening of uh, the ability for st- students to come uh, from across the world. And I'm just wondering uh, if Roger wants to comment on uh, recruiting international students. That, thank you for the uh, the call, Mitch. That's a great question. Um, I use history in the international arena is second to none. And uh, my summer reading project was being lucky uh, <laughs> about Herman Wells. And, um, it, you know, the groundwork that was laid uh, by that fine administrator and leader uh, is unbelievable. And we reap the benefits of that every day. For international recruitment, it has become more challenging. Uh, Our country's made it a little more difficult, and uh, we've got to be every bit as aggressive with international students as we've talked about with uh, domestic resident and non-resident students. Our targeted areas uh, will remain kind of the Far East. Um, uh, Provost McRobbie's in Japan Mm -hmm. as we speak, and uh, Japan and China and Korea uh, are all areas where we want to – Make sure we open doors and talk to students about uh, the opportunities that they can find here in Bloomington. We've got a wonderful university for international study, uh, and that's a tradition that uh, my goal would be to to uphold and strengthen. All right, Mitch. Thank you. Hey, thanks Thanks for calling. calling. Okay, we've had a couple of emails come in as well. Let's start with the one that came in first. Uh, it begins, I'm very happy that this department has been created. I used to work in the IU Vice President of Technology Office, and this was always an area of concern. Your comment about one of the students, oh, I guess it's my comment, about one of the students beside you will be gone next uh, <laughs> next year was very scary. I thought at the time it was meant because the student wasn't serious, but I have found that this is not the case. The student just could not adjust to college life. Keep up the good work. So that's good for your retention program then. Yeah. Thank you. It's a nice message. Yeah. And here's the next email that we've received. Uh, Thank you for your kind words regarding university division. I'm a freshman academic advisor with the university division. My colleagues and I work very hard to serve students as they make the transition from high school to college. I'm very happy to hear our mission being lauded and recognized. Thank you. I will make sure I get the uh, small unmarked bills in the brown bag. (laughs) Speaking of unmarked bills, (laughs) how does financial aid work into your your strategy? Because that you know that's always like the second question out of people's mouth. It seems uh, you know I want to go to IU, but I don't even know how I can afford college. Right, Um, financial aid is an integral part of our recruitment strategy and how we deliver a freshman class. Uh, Provost McRobbie uh, charged uh, several – well, he he charged me to chair the group, but we had several involved in looking at affordability. Mm -hmm. And how could we ensure as we go forward uh, that those Hoosier families in our state at 
the low income level uh, can afford to send their kids to college and and to this university. And um, I think we've got some really good ideas that we've presented to the provost that uh, uh, I think will help to address that need. But financial aid is critical. And, and sometimes we end up with our low-income students and family can pick up uh, good support from the federal government mm-hmm. through federal financial aid, which incidentally has shifted significantly from grants to loans. Um, but when you get a little bit above that, our middle-income folks sometimes really get squeezed as well because they're not quite eligible for the federal aid. And uh, and if their student doesn't pick up what we would call merit aid, they're really high-achieving uh, then the the cost of college is left to the family, mm-hmm. and so uh, financial aid is is very important uh, in terms of how we match that with our recruitment. Uh, we're, we're fortunate at IU; uh, we, we've got terrific uh, folks in our financial aid area that are very open to thinking about how we can match our financial aid strategy to our recruitment strategy. Do you work with the foundation or any other um, groups that just give scholarships as well? Right, the the foundation uh, and the leadership. Uh, that you find in that organization is second to none. Uh, gosh, they're terrific. They they raise money f- uh, all over the country to help support students all over the, as, world, yeah. all over the world, sure, uh, as does our alumni association. And so we have tremendous support from both of those groups uh, to help fund scholarships. But many times those go more merit-based uh, mm-hmm. than need-based. And while we're talking about money, where does yours come from for your department? Well, Oh, ours <laughs> shows up every month. They pay me in it. No. I don't know. It's a great thing. I just get this money. <laughs> no, our, uh, our our department is uh, is uh, centrally funded. Uh, you know, in in revenue uh, responsibility center management, we're uh, one of those areas that the colleges help to support the colleges and schools. Uh, we also generate our own income through uh, admission applications and those things. But we're centrally funded by the university. Yeah, it sounds like. A lot of what you have to do is is kind of a broadcast approach, at least to begin with, and so I can imagine that that would be um, very expensive to do that, as well as advertising, of course, which is always expensive. It, it is, you know, the, the recruitment game, and, and we talked earlier about how competitive it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost become an arms race. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wants the best and brightest students. We're, we're in a battle with. All of the schools that you see on the courts and the fields and the, uh, all the places where we see it in athletic arenas, we're battling those same schools mm-hmm. for who gets the best students. And so um, it literally has become an arms race and, uh, and it's, it's expensive. And a brains race. It is. Yeah. It, it really is. It's, it's a good way to put it. You can use that later. Exactly. If you want. Go ahead. You. you don't even have to credit me. You take that. That's a little something for you to take I, with you. I have another follow-up about this financial aid situation. I, I heard a presentation from Neil Theobald, Theobald uh, mm-hmm. recently, and he's you know the guy that knows everything about IU's financial situation. And he, he talked about the the changing sort of formula for money coming into IU that that there's so much less coming from the state, mm-hmm. so much more coming from tuition. And I guess my question is, you know, are financial financial aid opportunities keeping up with this increased tuition demand? Mm-hmm. Right. It's a great question and it's the challenge that we faced, uh, face every day. And, uh, and Neil, uh, you know, he's, he's an expert on, on how, the, how the money and the dollars work at NIU. And, you know, if you look at the state appropriation, it's been slowly declining. Some might argue not even that slowly uh, over the last uh, couple of decades. Um, you know, luckily, our outside support to the institution has grown, uh, but financial aid dollars from a federal standpoint have really shifted as well. So, shifted uh, meaning declined. Correct, yes. and, and moved from grant to loan. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, when you look at how that impacts students and families, uh, the cost of higher education is. Um, it's probably the second most significant investment a family is going to make behind their home. Luckily, there's an election coming up. So. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> All right. We only have about three or four minutes to go, but there are a couple of things. I want to give you an opportunity. You know, we talked about recruitment. We talked about retention. Your third sort of level is graduation. Is there anything more that you want to add about that graduation piece? You know, you've got them here. You've retained them. Now you need to make sure they get that final step and follow through and get their degree. That's right. And, and we want them to leave as uh, 
happy, successful graduates. And uh, that requires all of us uh, on this campus to work and do the best that we can to make sure those goals and aspirations that students had when they came as freshmen uh, are realized when they leave as seniors. You know, my two favorite parts of, of the year are uh, when we see students at orientation and, and you see students and parents and that energy. I know it causes traffic and all these things around town, uh, but it's just wonderful because all the hopes and dreams of, of entire families are embedded in these young people and they're just beginning. And my second favorite time, um, of course, is at commencement when uh, they've made it through and they're they're about to go out and venture uh, into whatever happens next. And uh, I always kid folks that I, I love the line from The Wizard of Oz. You know, the scarecrow asks for a brain and the wizard tells him, I can't give you a brain, but I can give you a diploma. Uh, and, um, <laughs> that uh, uh, we're, we're giving students far more than a diploma. Ho- hopefully we're giving them uh, really the opportunity to, to make all those dreams and aspirations come true that they, they had. We're in the dream business. That, that's the business mm-hmm. we're in as educators. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. What do you tell people who are raising children right now um, as far as what do you – what kind of advice do you give them as they – What age? Um, I don't know. I'd say maybe junior high, uh, even younger just you know, because people start thinking about this. That's right. When the children are born. Yeah. Look at, look at the lines for preschools when right. they're two months pregnant. Um, you know, you can never start planning for college early enough. And I guess the advice I would give to families is to begin the financial planning early. Uh, we just, By that we mean saving money. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we just sent out uh, to 26,000 families, uh, sophomores and juniors in high school that were in our database. We just sent to them uh, a, a really terrific guide to how to plan for financing higher education. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly anybody who's interested in, in having one of those, we'd be happy to provide it uh, if they contact us. But, you know, it's a big commitment. And um, we've got uh, lots to offer at IU. And we want students to uh, and families to be prepared for the financial commitment they're going to have to make. It's an investment in their kids' future. And right. I don't know of any parent that, that isn't willing uh, to do that. 529 web- plans are also very good. Right. We've good talked about too. those on this show. Um, do you have a website, a web address that you'd like to give people if they'd like to find out more about your programming? Sure. We, we've got a brand-new website coming up that's our uh, enrollment management site, which is just www.oem.indiana.edu. won't come up till uh, Monday. <laughs> so don't go hit it right now. Uh, it's new and redesigned. Or they can go to our admissions website, register, or any of those places that look at uh, uh, what we have to offer. Okay. In the last minute we have to go, any, uh, any la- last minute um, you know, frustrations you want to vent or, uh, or just suggestions or, or you want to summarize? Well, I, I guess I would say uh, first, thank you for inviting me. And um, uh, my wife, Debbie, and I, our entire family are, are really happy to be in Bloomington. Uh, Indiana University is a great institution, and uh, we're just thrilled to be here. And uh, the folks that that I get to work with every day, uh, our leadership teams across admissions, registrar, financial aid, research, scholarships, all those areas, uh, they're all terrific people doing a really good job. Okay. I'd like to thank Roger Thompson for being here with us today, for Mary Catherine Carmichael, our new producer, Joyce Biazzotto, and for engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.